Do you have them down as being the best in best transfer window? I could think of at least three teams I'd put. In. I did say Tottenham, to be fair. The question is, who do you think's had the best window? Not who do you think had the best window, but don't say the obvious but... Definitely a player you can imagine in the North London derby. He'll either score a winner or get sent off. Like he just doesn't care. He doesn't care about all of the drama that comes. He is. He pretty much is the drama, and I think Conte's going to love that and could really turn him into an animal. But he doesn't seem to get in the right positions. And I think they paid 15 million for him. And there's no real rumours of Wolves getting another attacker in. Uh, so, yeah, that, that concerns me, that sign. Fofana's been courted by Chelsea. They've had they've had to reject a bid from Newcastle for Madison. There was even some stuff about Kasper Schmeichel maybe going to Nice mm. in the week. So, like, it's just it's just been awful for them, really. Well, Carvalhoen can't stay fit either. So there's every chance of be putting the ball in the box for Solomon Ronda. In which case, you aren't getting any assists either, do I? now could be a bad, bad season. Or um, Everton, I'm worried about them. It looks like Lampard's gone for a three-four-three system in pre-season. So it's been a Tarkovsky, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, or sometimes Yerry Mina back three. That's got disaster written all over it for me. It will be down to his partner to try and sweep around him like Kunde did. Uh, and do Villa have that at the back? Um, I, that, I do have some worries. You're out of order, Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hide from the rest of the show, if I was you. I mean, I'm coming on the show with that slander. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by WhoScored.com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Josh from WhoScored as ever, and Raj this week from Premier League panel. We've already previewed the big six in previous shows, so go back and check them out if you haven't done so already. This week, we're going to preview the Premier League in general. And Josh, I believe we're going to start with how our predictions panned out this time last year. Not thought much about my Who Scored predictions from last July or August, so I'm dreading to think how this was. But there wasn't a lot of respect for Liverpool's name, and I'll just put it that way. Um, in uh, this time last year, a lot of you had them either to come third or fourth. Uh, most most of you guys thought that Chelsea were going to come second. I think based on the, the Lukaku signing, which I think everyone thought it would go really well, um, but they finished 19 points behind Man City as they did the season before they had Lukaku back. Um, Dan, you actually smashed it, to be fair, with the team you thought that would do really badly. You picked Everton as the big strugglers, and obviously they narrowly, well, just just avoided relegation. Um, but yeah, this hopefully we'll have some better predictions this time around. I think I had Chelsea to win the league, didn't I? Looking back, I've, remember, I've remembered that now. I, I honestly just thought Lukaku would be... They didn't even have a missing piece in the puzzle at that point because they'd won the Champions League, but I just mm-hmm. thought he'd make them unstoppable. I don't think I was harsh on Liverpool, though. I think I might have had Liverpool second or third. I wasn't harsh. No, I think it? I think it was possibly third. Okay, that wasn't too bad. It was only one hour, wasn't it? You can't you can't <laughs> you can't have a go at that. Right then, shall we start with the transfer roundup? So we're gonna start with who we think in the Premier League has had the. I haven't even asked you how you are, Raj. Raj, how yeah. are you? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome good. Thanks, the, yeah, welcome to the show. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, good. A good, uh, good little taster into the new season yesterday. So yeah, ready for it. After yeah. the Community Shield, it was a good yeah. match for them. Has that has that affected any of your predictions? Obviously, we did make them earlier on in the week, so you can't put too many credence, much credence on what you've no. seen because you can't change it. But you know, it, it was impressive from Liverpool yesterday. Impressive as well, and, and it did, I think it did show a bit of a small weakness in Manchester City squad with those wide options now missing Sterling and Jesus, who Pep used to rely on all the time in the big games, and Grealish and Mahrez. That dynamic didn't really work that well, so maybe uh, something to look at there in the future. Yep. So let's start then with the transfer roundup. Now I've said hello to Raj and welcomed him to the podcast that we're so grateful he's come on. We're going to start with who we think's had the best window. So Josh, 
Is this you or is this who scored? Who do, who uh, do this is me, this part is me. There are some parts which are who scored, but this is me. I do think it's probably pretty hard to argue against Tottenham having the best window, but I thought that maybe at least one of you guys would go for them. So I've mixed it up a little bit and I've gone for Newcastle. Um, I think it's mainly this. I probably shouldn't have counted the last window, but I think it's mainly just being impressed with the way Newcastle have gone about spending the money that they have done. Uh, they've not. I thought everyone probably thought that they would make a Robinho type signing that Manchester City did. Um, and teams like PSG, Real Madrid and Barcelona probably thought were probably rubbing their hands together when the new owners came in at Newcastle thinking they would take off all of their like high owners, Deadwood sort of players. But it just hasn't been the case. And I think Chris Wood's probably the only dodgy signing they've made um, in the last six months. But they took him from a direct relegation rival and Burnley got relegated. Um, and after that, they signed Nick Pope from them for a cheaper deal. Then. So it went well in that respect. But yeah, Newcastle, I'd say have had the best window. I like the signing of Sven Botman, someone that they've tracked for a while. I think he improves their defence. Um, we're going to see another season of progress from them, I have no doubt. I, I do think they're still short of pushing for those uh, European places. I would say that they probably need someone that can be an upgrade on John Joe Shelby. Uh, and a lot does depend on how fit Callum Wilson can stay for the rest of the season. Or for the season, sorry. Um, but yeah, Newcastle are mine. And also pleased that Eddie Howe sort of proved me wrong at the end of last season. I thought they were the ship goals... Um, as his Bournemouth side did, but he really improved them uh, in both ends of the pitch. So yeah, Newcastle for me have had the had the best window apart from Tottenham. Really, you're so so niche, honestly. <laughs> it's, like, I think Botman is a good signing, but you know he's left centre back. So they signed Dan Burns to play left centre back. So I presume it's going to be Shah and Botman. Mm. So strength and depth. Yeah, but then Shah's out, then probably Lascelles comes in for him and burns the backup for Botman, but I'm not convinced that the sales is a top Premier League defender, like a top half Premier League defender. Pope's a great signing in goal. I, th- I think they had problems in goal. I think goalkeeper mm-hmm. was a real problem for Newcastle. I would say that I think they've done well to not get sucked into to just buying anyone. I think they obviously there obviously is a couple of areas they need to strengthen Raj, but would you have them down as being the best in best transfer window? I could think of at least three teams I'd put. In. I did say Tottenham to be fair, but I just wanted to because I thought one of you guys would say them, so I didn't want it to be too samey. But the, yeah, but the, I, the, the question is, who do you think's had the best window? Not who do you think had the best window, but don't say the obvious one. He's made a good prediction of my prediction to be fair, because I have gone for Spurs. So. Have you? Well, I've gone. For yeah, yeah. I, I've gone for someone different to, to you, Raj. But go on and talk to us about Spurs. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I like this window a lot, to be honest. So that I think there is a theme with all, three of the four buys they've made as well. They've got that, all three of those buys have got aggression and hard work and industry, which is a core principle for Conti. Um, you saw the likes of Ndombele and La Salsa weren't providing that for him, and he quickly shipped them out because that, that that is w- one thing he definitely wants. So yeah, starting with Perisic, I think that it's a simple, pretty, it's a pretty simple buy, but it's an effective buy. I think this guy's been one of my favourite players to watch over the years. I think he's really underrated. He's played key roles for Croatia, even Bayern Munich when he went on loan there, and then Inter as well helped them win Serie A. Um, yeah, so I think that left wing back Spurs had a few issues there. Sessegnon did kind of prove his worth towards the end of the season, but Reguilon was kind of an underperformer for them. So Perisic comes in as kind of a bona fide performer there. He's going to add to the chance creation. He's two-footed. He can get crosses in from any angle, really, because of that two-footedness. And he's got a bit of a goal for it as well. So I like that one. Basuma, I think that's a top buy. Um, I think what, what Spurs were missing in that midfield was a bit of uh, a technical quality there. Uh, Basuma's got that. He, he's not going to create you loads, but he's got amazing like press resistance. He can keep the whole keep keep hold of the ball uh, under any kind of pressure, and that that's kind of his main trait. And plus, 
He's got that physicality that Conte likes. Conte plays a uh, pretty aggressive mid-block, so his midfielders need to be really uh, hot on the other on the other team when they play the ball into the middle third of the pitch. Basuma fits into that beautifully and, and got that added technical quality as well. And then Richarlison, that's been a troublesome, buy, uh, troublesome slot for Spurs for quite a few years, even going back to Pochettino. Who's going to back up Harry Kane and Hung Min Son? Steven Bergwijn didn't really produce the goods, but Richarlison, we know he's going to score goals. I'm not a huge fan of his all-round game, um, but you know he's going to get in the box in the right areas. And I think he got 10 goals for a struggling Everton last season. So that's a decent option to have if one of Kane or Son is resting, particularly with Champions League football, or are injured. Um, and then Clement Longley, I'm not a huge fan of him defensively. I think he gets kind of roasted 1v1 by a pretty uh, quick wingers or quick attackers uh, and isn't the best in the air either. But he is decent. He's a decent ball player. So I think he'll fit into how Conte wants the left side of centre-back to kind of push up and play out with it from the back uh, and try and feed Harry Kane with those balls into feet or try and loft those balls over the top for him and so on. Longley, that is his probably biggest strength. But as I say, I'm not a fan of him as a pure defender. I think they are missing one thing maybe that they that they, they could do within the squad is like a creator in midfield. Uh, they've got Kulisevsky off the right, Perisic off the left, someone central. Obviously Kane creates as well, but they have been linked with James Madison. I think that would be a top buy as well. You could probably play him in behind Son and Kane. Uh, that would probably put the cherry on the cake of the window, but you're being a bit picky there. So yeah, I think Spurs have had a top window to be honest. Yeah, I think Richarlison, obviously we've done the preview of Spurs. Richarlison, he just covers all three front, front three positions. I think that's so, so voice and such a smart signing. Okay, 60 millions, a lot of money, but I think he'll play so many games. He just strikes me as a, a Conte player because, you know, part of what made him so successful at Everton towards the back end of the season and in general was just his work, right? And we know how much credence Conte puts on work, right? I, I just think he's going to suit Spurs down to the ground, Josh. Yeah, I agree as well. I think, uh, like I said in the preview we did uh, on Tottenham, I said he's definitely a player you can imagine in, in the North London derby. He'll either score a winner or get sent off. Like he, he just doesn't care. He doesn't care about all of the drama that comes. He is he pretty much is the drama, and I think Conte's going to love that and could really turn him into an animal. Um, it'll be interesting to see like how many games he does play because obviously I think it'll be pretty harsh to drop the how the front three finished last season um, and in a World Cup year because he did play quite regularly for Brazil. It'll be interesting to see what goes on there. But yeah. I do think it's a smart signing um, and just adds another great attacker to uh, the options that he had at the end of last season. Yeah, I've gone for Arsenal. I'm regretting I'm regretting a few things about... I mean, this time last year, I was pretty much spent all my time laughing at Arsenal and getting lots of abuse off Arsenal fans on Twitter. But I've been impressed with what they've done. I think Jesus is the best striker they could have got and solves a real problem for them. I think Fabio Vieira covers a lot of positions and is a really excited up-and-coming talent. Julian on our Arsenal preview is raving about Saliba. He, I suddenly feel like he might end up being the number one Arsenal centre-back and then you know that means they're really strong there as well. Perhaps some work to do in, in, in central midfield, but I'm just really impressed with what Arsenal have done in general, Raj. Yeah, some very good buys. I think now... I've I've, I didn't even mention Zinchenko there. Sorry, Zinchenko yeah. as well. Great buy again. Covers multiple positions. Will probably play centrally for Arsenal. Really intelligent footballer. You know, they have made yeah. some good signings. It's interesting to contrast the two North London clubs, actually. Look at Conte's prioritising kind of work rate and aggression. Arsenal are prioritising technical quality. Zinchenko, Jesus, Fabio Vieira, they're all very good ball players, And that, that kind of fits into how Arteta wants to play. So I think both North London clubs... I've recruited well for the philosophies of their managers. Uh, and you're right. Uh, I think midfield, as you say, is probably the only concern I have. Um, do they have enough 
uh, depth behind Xhaka and Partey um, should they need it. So, yeah, it's a, other than that, it's a quality window from them. Josh, I'll have to come back to you again because I'm not taking Newcastle as a serious answer here. That, that is not your answer. It is honestly. It is my well, I, Newcastle, so Newcastle have had a better window than Arsenal and Spurs. N- okay, they've not. But so, just so there's some variety on the show. You've not answered the question. <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out to Newcastle. I feel like we've done the other teams in a bit of depth, so I thought why not give a bit of a shout out to Eddie Howe and what he's doing up in, in Newcastle. I'm going to say Villa are going to win the league just to give a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially that's essentially what you've what you've done there. Doesn't make any doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, right then, Raj, except for Josh, then who's had the worst window? There's a big standout, and if it is Leicester City, I don't know if that's the one you were thinking of. Yeah, but uh, yeah, obviously they haven't made a signing yet, and there's one glaring weakness I see in their squad, and it's that centre back. Obviously Wesley Fofana, top quality centre back, but we've seen the problems I've had for his partner, and when Fofana was injured as well. Who's partnering for Fana? Evans is constantly injured. Yannick Vestergaard, not good enough. Um, and then they were even dropping the likes of Amate and Ndidi back there. And Suyuncu has also declined a lot since his first six months in England. So they need a centre-back desperately. And it's kind of baffling how they've not addressed it yet. They've seen someone like Chris Richards go to Palace. I thought he was a, a tailor-made fit for Leicester. Uh, he's a good ball player and he, and he can hold a high line as well. So I thought they missed out there. They've been linked with Levi Colwell from Chelsea. But the concern there is now Leicester have been uh, Chelsea have been linked with Wesley Fofana. So is that going to be some kind of trade-off and they're still going to end up at square one because they're going to get one centre-back in, Fofana out. So yeah, that's a big concern there. Um, other than that, they still haven't addressed that kind of um, uh, attacking position on the wing. Uh, they've had Iosi Perez play on the wing. They've had Albrighton play on the wing. Obviously, Harvey Barnes has got one of the slots nailed down. The other slot has always been up for debate, so they haven't addressed that either. Up front, they're well-stopped. Daka, Iheanacho and Vardy are, are quality options. But it's that centre-back area and that kind of right-wing position which they need to address, and they haven't. Yeah, Tarkovsky on a free as well would have been another one that I would have expected oh, yeah. Leicester to, to have had a look at. And towards the back end of the season, I remember Madison playing right midfield a, f- a few times, and they tried to firm mm. things up a little bit by having three in central midfield, maybe because they weren't sure with what they were doing at the back. Good selection of fullbacks, Leicester, but I think, Josh, you can never stand still in football. And obviously, because they haven't bought in anyone, but they haven't improved. Yeah, and, and Brendan Rodgers said at the start, right at the start of the window that he was looking to bring in about five players to sort of freshen things up. And as it stands at the time of recording, they're the only side in Europe's top five league that haven't even signed a new player. So it's been a a disaster, really. And it does seem that there's some stuff behind the scenes with their finances that they really need to sell first before they can buy. And obviously, Tielemans is the obvious one to go now. He's only got a year left on his contract, but no one's coming for him yet with anything concrete. And I've just got this feeling that Arsenal or United are just doing it deliberately to basically get Tillemans for as cheap as possible as late into the window, because Leicester are going to be desperate at that point. I think last season they finished with their lowest points total in five years. Uh, Rogers had a bit of a wobble around February time after just three wins in 14 league games. I wouldn't be surprised if this is if this is his last season. We were saying it before we came on came on uh, air that this could well be Rogers' final season. I get and like um, Raj touched on, Fafana's been courted by Chelsea. They've had they've had to reject a bid from Newcastle for Madison. There was even some stuff about Kasper Schmeichel maybe going to Nice mm. in the week. So like it's just it's just been awful for them really. Um, but yeah, I agree. They've had definitely had the worst window. And there might be a reason for that as well. This is the first window that Leicester have had without their previous head of recruitment, Lee Congerton, who's actually went to Atalanta. 
So that might cause a bit of the chaos in in the back room. So that might be why they haven't really made many moves. But if that happens, you know, surely you just let the manager buy the players. But then that tells me that they're not confident that the manager is going to last the season. Because at the moment, I'd have Rogers down as the first manager to go, purely because if he wants four or five players and they don't get anyone in, I think he might walk. There's a big chance they could lose someone that he doesn't want to lose as well. Leicester just feel a little bit in disarray at the moment. They're obviously who I've picked as well because. You can't really spin not buying anyone into a positive. It just there's nothing you can say, is there? That, that they've had the worst window because they have not bought anyone, Josh. Especially because, as I said, Rogers actually wanted to go out and sign five or six players this summer, and, and they've not got any. So there's no way he can't spin it any other way. Um, but yeah, it must it must surely be purely down to financial trouble. They they need to sell before they can buy, and at the moment they can't get the bids for the right players they want to sell. There's a lot of Deadwood knocking around in that squad as well. You know, if indeed the Tillemans are coming in, I would describe any central midfielder that comes into that Leicester team as being not good enough, Deadwood, but they wouldn't be able to shift them and they're probably on semi-decent money. You think of the likes of, of Chowdhury, Mendy, Amati sometimes can yeah. play midfield. You know, they, they isn't that quality the, to come in? And they signed that midfielder from Lille last summer as well, didn't they? Samar, Samar, uh, yeah. Samara, I think it's Samara, yeah. yeah. Who just hasn't, who's been linked to have moved back to France already, so obviously hasn't gone well there. The financial issues might also stem by, they had a previous philosophy where they used to sell big players every summer. So Harry Maguire, then it was Ben Chilwell. Last summer, they actually didn't sell anyone. So mm. there might be a bit of drying up of the funds there. Uh, <laughs> and that's why I thought it would have, might have been better off cashing in on someone like Yuri Tielemans last year uh, to keep the, that financial flow going. But then Tielemans is now in the last year of his contract. So he's going to go for a cheaper price. So there's been a bit of mismanagement there, I think. They can't afford to lose him now either because that, yeah. you know, I've got them. I mean, spoiler, I think they're in a little bit of trouble anyway. If they were to lose him or Rogers was to walk, I can just, there's something about Leicester that makes me think this season could end up being a bit of a car crash, but we'll see. Maybe when it, before the end of the window, they'll do a load of business and make us look stupid. But currently, there is no argument for anyone else having a worse window. Even Josh can't think of anyone, so it has to be them. All right, then, best signing, Raj. I'll go for Yves Basuma. I think I touched on that earlier. I think he's an amazing fit for Conti's start of football in terms of that work rate he produces off the ball. And again, I think he's going to elevate the technical quality in Spurs' midfield. So, yeah, I've gone for him. And I think it was only £25 million as well, which is an absolute bargain for someone of his quality and his his proven uh, pedigree in the Premier League as well. Uh, so, I've done this based on who scored rating. So, this is a who scored section. Um, and I've done it based on players that the Premier League teams have bought from within Europe's top five leagues. So it doesn't really include anyone from uh, Holland, Portugal or further afield like that. Uh, the top five is Raheem Sterling, who's the fifth best. Gabriel Jesus is four. Perisic, three. Christian Eriksen at two. And Erling Haaland is at one, um, which isn't fantastic timing after the Community Shield on Saturday. Uh, he didn't have the, the greatest of um, debuts or in, I guess it's a not a competitive game, but yeah, didn't have the greatest showing, missed that incredible chance towards the end. But I do think it's a really interesting signing. I think we touched up, upon it in the Manchester City preview that on you just feel that Harling is going to score 20 to 30 goals just because that's the type of player he is and he's shown that wherever he's been. But it is such a, depart, a massive departure to the way Manchester City have been playing for the last two years. And we saw like the teething problem straight away. And obviously you can't, it's, you don't want to get drawn too much into those sort of games because it's obviously it's so early on. But there was he he only had three touches of the ball after 25 minutes in the Community Shield, and that's obviously so unlike what we've seen from Guardiola's forwards uh, over the last two seasons. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, he is our top-rated new signing in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't think you can really argue with it. Good price as well. I know it sounds stupid to say 54 million is a good price, but really, 
it's probably half the price it should be. Let's let let's face it. You know, so that's an incredible buy for Manchester City, and he'll come good. There's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind if he stays fit. He'll be getting somewhere near 30 goals in the Premier League this season just by virtue of how many chances Manchester City create. I've gone for Gabriel Jesus because I think he solves a massive problem in the Arsenal side. I think he's a very, very good player. They'd have had Jesus last season. They'd have got top four Arsenal. They'd, they'd mm. have got it reasonably comfortably. I think they were quite far ahead at one point and looked the favourites. If they've ha- have had a goal scorer, I think he'd have helped. I think Arteta's going to get the best out of him. He's worked with him before. He's got the relationship with Edu as well. He's got players around him, South American players. I just think Jesus is going to fit Arsenal like a glove. He's such a good player. He's a lot a lot better footballer than I think he gets credit for. I was would be a bit worried that he might stall Enketia a little bit because I think Enketia ended the season really well for Arsenal. But you need options. And there is that yeah. option to shift Jesus on the wing as well. So I just think, again, is he 45 million Jesus? Mm. I think he'll, yeah. if he stays fit, he'll push 20 goals for Arsenal. And that, that's huge you, compared to what they had last season. I think you made a, like, a really great point earlier where you said that he's the best striker that Arsenal could get. Cause it, I, yeah, I, I think we'd all agree he's not the best striker in the, in the, in the world. But for Arsenal to have attracted a couple of players from the Premier League champions about being able to offer them Champions League football, I think is massive for them. Um, and obviously Gabriel Jesus is, a, is an upgrade on Lacazette and does fit the way that Arteta wants to play. So from that perspective, I think it's a great buy. And obviously we saw, as Raj said, we saw in the Community Shields that abs- they felt Jesus' absence against Liverpool because the pressing was just nowhere to be seen. Grealish, Mahrez and Haaland didn't get anywhere close to Manchester City, uh, Liverpool's back four. That's not um, a pressing front three, is it? It's no, at all. not at all. And they've obviously lost Raheem Sterling, as Raj said as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great buy. And obviously, he's been smashing it in pre-season. He's got a hat-trick, I think, at the weekend. So, yeah. Good he's had a very good, uh, the, have had a good pre-season. So, then, who's the worst signing, Josh? I presume we've gone off the same who scored stats for the worst signing. Yeah, um, so he's the same parameters for that. And unfortunately for Leeds fans, it's Tyler Adams, which is a bit harsh. He made 24 appearances for Leipzig last season, um, but half of those were from the sub-bench. So that did bring his rating down, but yeah, it's him. But I think the good thing is for Leeds that he Tyler Adams is reuniting with a coach he's worked with several times before in his career. It was Jesse Marsh that gave uh, Adams his senior debut as a 16-year-old against Chelsea in a pre-season game for the New York Red Bulls. And Marsh has been massive on Adams since he was a 15-year-old. So, yeah, he's he's reuniting with a coach that knows him very well. The issue is that he's got to replace Calvin Phillips, who obviously had a massive, massive role in that Leeds team. Um, but, yeah, he, and he and the stats weren't that great, to be honest, from him, in, from his from his games for Leipzig. He was dribbled past almost as many times as he made tackles. He completed just over half his attempted dribbles, and he made a couple of errors um, in bad positions that gave op- opponents some chances. And if you think of the way Leeds have defended in since they've been in the Premier League, they've been very guilty of giving those chances away um, in key areas of the pitch. So, yeah, we've gone for Tyler Adams. I've gone for Dwight McNeil. Of course, he scored two after I submitted these predictions <laughs> the, the, the other night. So, typical, vintage. But I stand by it, not because I think he's a bad player, but just because I think he's Richarlison's replacement and he doesn't mm. offer half of what Richarlison offers. Yeah, I think, you know, Everton hadn't had Richarlison last season. They were down. McNeil, I felt, struggled with pressure at times at, at Burnley. So I just think at a club like Everton, where expectations will be a bit higher, demanding fan base, I can see him going under a little bit. And again, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I think I think he's a decent player. I, I'm not necessarily sure he's what Everton needs to replace Richarlison's goals, for one. If, McNeil's not a goal a goal scorer. So I, he I think didn't score a goal last season. season. Yeah, I think who I heard something the other day. A ridiculous player has scored in the Premier League more recently than Dwight McNeil. Alisson. 
Alisson. That was that was that was it. I mean that that's I can't look past that as worth signing because obviously he scored two the other night in a friendly against Kiev. But to be fair, Everton did bring a fan on in that game as well, so we should maybe he scored. So we shouldn't read, we shouldn't read too much into that. But I just think Richarlison's such a huge miss, and I don't think that's an adequate replacement, Raj. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was gonna, I was going to mention that later on actually in terms of our relegation candidates. I've got, I might have them in there. Um, but yeah, that's a big miss. McNeil's more of a creator, isn't it? That's what I associate with him: a good dribbler and a good delivery into the box. So who you love Calvert Lewin up there? But again, no one else really getting on the end of that. Um, yeah, my worst signing. I've gone for a guy who was on loan last season, and then uh, the club have made him permanent. It's Huang Yi Chan at Wolves. I, I thought you were going to say Coutinho then. I was I think that it's honestly a dreadful signing. He, 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 he made 30 Premier League appearances last season and he got accumulated 4.2 expected goals. Uh, Wolves' big problem is goals. Jimenez is not the same guy since he had that skull fracture injury. And he's injured. Um, and he's injured again. Yeah. Fabio Silva's gone out. Pedense is not a goal scorer. Pedro Neto, even in his best season, got five goals. I think that was in the 2020-21 season. Who's getting the goals for Wolves? I'm majorly concerned about that. Uh, Huang, I, I, I remember the game against Liverpool at the end of the season. Neto and Jimenez played as a front two. They looked phenomenal together. Then Neto got injured. Huang came on and Wolves lost all of their threat. He doesn't really have many redeeming features. He's got a bit of pace, but he doesn't seem to get in the right positions. And I think they paid 15 million for him. And there's no real rumours of Wolves getting another attacker in. Uh, so, yeah, that, that concerns me, that signing. He was actually second behind Tyler Adams as our lowest rated signing. So, um, finger on the pulse there. And just back on Dwight McNeil, I think he... So, last season, he had the most shots in Europe's top five leagues without scoring a goal. He had 52 shots without scoring. And if I'm a player that is presumably low on confidence, I think one of the last clubs I'd want to go to to try and rebuild my career is Everton. Um, so, yeah, I... I I wouldn't be too optimistic about that transfer, even though I do think he's a decent player. And I guess the tactic from Lampard will be try and put as many balls on Calvert-Lewin's head as possible. But yeah, I would be a bit worried for Dwight McNeil's career at Everton. It could go quite badly. Well, Calvert-Lewin can't stay fit either. So there's every chance he'll be putting the ball in the box for Solomon Rondon, in which case you aren't getting any assists either, Dwight McNeil. So it could be a bad, bad season. Or um, Everton, I'm worried about them as well, to be perfectly honest. Let's look then at the top four. We've kind of already covered this in our in our other show, so we, we'll go through it quite quickly, but we'll let Raj get involved because obviously we haven't heard his opinion. So Raj, who is winning the league? So yeah, I've gone with Man City to win the league. Um, is, I that do full, think... is that full house? That is a full house, isn't it, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. My, as I said earlier, I do worry a bit about that penetration in wide areas for them especially if they continue with a grealish Morris combination. But I do think they've got enough outside of that. We've got Foden, who didn't start the Community Shield. And then I like the look of uh, Julian Alvarez, actually. Yeah. He's got he's got that direct threat, and he wants to make those runs into the box. And he looks like a decent finisher as well. So I think he might be, end up playing on the wing and might end up actually being an Alvarez-Foden uh, combination uh, or a mix and match of the others as well. But the other signing they need to make is a left-back as well. Obviously, they've linked with Mark Cucurella, uh, I think the idea was you play Grealish a bit more inside and you've got Cucurella's pace kind of overlapping on the outside of that. Similar to what of Alvarez as well. Uh, but Brighton look like they're digging their heels in. They need to come up with an alternative. I think Rafael Guerrero from Dortmund's been linked now. But yeah, I still have them to win the league. Haaland fixes that main issue, as we addressed earlier, of having a, a goal, clinical goal scorer. Uh, and I think that'll just be enough ahead of Liverpool, who I think still haven't addressed that main weakness, which is in midfield. Um, I, I still think they're missing a starter 
in that kind of uh, right-sided number eight position, which is the most attacking in midfield, it's still Jordan Henderson playing a lot of the minutes there. I, I do think he has declined since his best. I think he's not providing the same defensive coverage that he used to. I think all his high-speed kind of running metrics have all dropped in the last couple of years. Um, and then outside of that, you can either play Harvey Elliott there or Fabio Carvalho. I think, obviously, I, I like the look of Carvalho. Yeah, but him and, Elliot are, yeah, him and Elliott are still kind of very inexperienced. Can you rely on them for a whole season in that role? Uh, I just feel they're missing one body there. And I think... Uh, I touched on this before in the Liverpool preview pod. When one of Thiago or Keita missing from injury, which is very often, Liverpool tend to drop points. They haven't got that kind of extra controlling presence in midfield. Uh, Curtis Jones and James Milner sometimes deputise there, but I don't think they've got the same level of ability. So, yeah, midfield is still my main concern for Liverpool. Yeah, so, you've got Liverpool second, same as Josh and myself. Who have you gone for for third, Raj? Third, I've gone for Spurs. Obviously, I had to because I've given them a best window. So, uh, yeah, I've got them there. The only maybe doubt about that is how Conte balances Champions League football with Premier League football. He's had some issues with that before. Uh, even if you look back to his last season at Inter, Inter weren't actually top of the league until they got knocked out of the Champions League. Um, so if Spurs progress deep into the knockouts, it'll be interesting to see how he balances that. But he, uh, they have addressed the depth issues there, obviously, with the signings we discussed. So, yeah, I'll back them for third. And then fourth... Uh, which is where I might have a bit of disagreement with you guys, is I've still got Chelsea there. Uh, obviously, the main issue for Chelsea at the moment is they're lacking kind of some kind of creative presence and a goal scorer in that front three. Obviously, the first choice front three is going to be Sterling, Mount and Kai Havertz at the moment. Does that have enough goals in it? Sterling does get the, get some goals, so that I think it has addressed a bit of an issue there. But they, outside the wing-backs, I struggle to see who's going to create most of the chances. Mount, again, is a bit of more of a kind of goal scorer rather than a pure creator. Um, so I still think they're missing one attacker. And also, they need to get another centre-back in. Um, obviously, they've addressed uh, Kaladu he, he He replaces Rudiger nicely on the left of the back three. Who they got as a right-sided centre-back? Aspilicueta looks like he's heading out. Christensen's gone. They need that. Uh, and Fafana is obviously the link. I think if they can get that in, uh, maybe one attacker, I, I do back them for four. I think Tuchel is still probably a better coach than Arteta and has a better squad than Ten Hag. So that, that's why I've gone for him in fourth. Sensible. And I've got Chelsea fourth, but I'm not I'm not backing that at all. I've done it. It's too late for me to change. But I actually think at the moment, if the window shut today, I think Arsenal would finish ahead of Chelsea. But I'm assuming Chelsea will get two or three more in before the end of the window. Josh, is yours, yours the same? Spurs, then Chelsea? What did you have Man uh, no, not... you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. No, don't, don't tell me you put Man U in, or even worse, Newcastle uh, into the top four. <laughs> it might be Newcastle. I've, I've been a bit cheeky because obviously we did the summer series and we obviously locked in our top top well, six. Well, yeah, I thought um, we couldn't change it after that. But I've, I've been a bit cheeky here. I'm going on annual leave, so if anyone wants to come for me in the comments, then you can come for me. But I've got um, Arsenal down as fourth, pipping Chelsea to fifth. I just, I'll come on to Chelsea a bit later in, in another section, but I've got a... Uh, I just get a bad feeling from Chelsea at the moment. And if, if they address that, that's fine. But at the moment, I've got Arsenal in fourth, uh, City first, uh, Liverpool second, Tottenham third. But the rumours of Bernardo Silva to Barcelona aren't going away at the moment. And that would concern me for Man City, especially if after losing Jesus and uh, Sterling in terms of the, Bar the midfield. Barcelona surely can't buy anyone else. They just, they, just, they just can't. You just can't doubt them at this moment. You don't know what they're going to do. I've they've got... got, I've got, got, they've got They've got a hundredth lever up there they can activate. Yeah. So, so, I think I've got more else. actual money than Barcelona at the moment, <laughs> genuinely. Like, this one's real. Like, they can't buy anyone else. Monopoly money goes far, Danny. You just, that's all they've got to oh, use. Honestly. It's like going well for them. 
Um, but yeah, if, if City lose Bernardo Silva and they don't sign Cucurella, then I would probably revise them coming first. Uh, but yeah, I've got City first, Liverpool second, Tottenham third, and Ch- um, Arsenal fourth. Josh, what if there was a kind of swap deal? Frankie de Jong to Man City, Bernardo Silva to Barca. How would you see that? I would, I would hate that. It's <laughs> a Man United fan. <laughs> After all this time trying to sign him, I would not be a fan of that. But I did actually say right at the start of the window, I don't when the rumours happened, I don't know why that's not been explored, but I hope it doesn't. So we've done top four. Now we're going to look at Dark Horses, a team that we think could spring a real surprise. I really have one at the moment. I've got one down here, but I'm not convinced by it. Raju, have you gone for? I'm going to kind of support Josh's claim earlier. I've gone for Newcastle. So <laughs> I mean that. I mean, I mean that's fine. You can you can do that, but you can't say they've won the window when you don't even believe that they've won the window yourself. You can say that, but they're dark horses. That's fine. But what Josh did was silly. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I, reason I've got them dark horses, I think they can challenge for a Europa League spot. I, I think that would be a brilliant achievement for them, uh, especially they were involved in a relegation battle for most of last, last season. Uh, I just really like the system that Howell's implemented there in 2022. He's got that 4-3-3 locked down now. I think he's pushed that defensive line a few yards higher up with the signings of Burn, and now he's got Botman as well. Uh, and, then, and then they've got a decent front uh, press from the front. And the key in, in that has been the kind of midfield he's used. He's got this number eight partnership of, uh, partnership of Joe Linton, who's converted from an attacker to a midfielder. And then the star signing they brought last January, Bruno Guimaraes. That partnership's been fantastic. And they've got so much aggression in that midfield. As soon as a team kind of bypasses their front press of Sam Maximan, Wilson and whoever plays on the right wing, as soon as the ball goes into midfield, those two are on top of you like a rash. And I think you saw that in the game against Arsenal at the end of the season. Bruno Guimaraes and Joe Linton hunted that midfield down uh, like a pack of wolves, really. So I really like the structure he's implemented there. Um, I think Botman is a good signing. He is an upgrade there. I think his ball-playing ability is a, is probably a standout feature. I was watching a few clips of Newcastle's pre-season, and some of Botman's passing out from the bat has been fantastic. And Howell's been able to construct quite a few good possession sequences there. So I think he'll be an upgrade for Newcastle there. Um, I think they start, still are missing a couple of things. Maybe a right-sided attacker. Almiron was playing that role them last season and, and in pre-season. I don't think he's really shown enough to warrant a starting place. They need someone who can partner Wilson and Sam Maxman in that attack and probably a number six as well at the base as, as a defensive midfielder. Um, I wouldn't be in favour of moving Bruno Gimarash back there. I think he does well at kind of creating and scoring from in the final third. I, I think they need a number six. Someone who you guys signed, uh, Bubakar Kamara, Dan, he would have been perfect for Newcastle. So they need someone like that who can lock down that position. Long staff and Shelby are their options otherwise. But if they can do that, um, or even one of those two buys, I think they'll, they will challenge for a Europa League spot. We said, well, I didn't say it, but Tottenham have had a great window. And something's stopping me from putting them in the top two this season. So I think it would be a bit disrespectful to what Liverpool and City have done over the last two years. But if there's any team that's um, capable of perhaps springing an upset on those top two positions, maybe second, like second more realistic, I think it's Tottenham. I think especially with the changes that Man, Man City and Liverpool are going through this this summer, there could well be some teething problems. We especially saw that with Manchester City on Saturday. And I just think a full a first full pre-season under Conte, he's got the signings in that he wanted in very early. Um, I think they should have a, a, an amazing season. Um, they had the third most points in the Premier League um, under Conte last season from the moment that he took over. I think third is the minimum... It, requirement for him for, for him going into this season and I wouldn't be surprised if they actually came second but something's stopping me from making that a real claim but yeah Tottenham are 
are my pick for this section. I'd go along with that in, in a lot of respects. I, th- I don't think Man City and Liverpool's point tallies will be as ridiculous this season. I actually think Spurs will, will go close and will, will, could potentially push for second. I, I, I really like the look of them. It's Conte, which I think is a massive deal, elite manager. Mm. I, I think Spurs will be somewhere close. Maybe not in the title race, but definitely closer than they were last season. Right, we'll move on to the biggest underachiever. A few contenders for this. Josh, who scored come up with or who have you come up with? It's me for this one. I did originally have Brighton down um, because I think Basuma is a massive miss for them. And if they were going to go on and lose Kukurela as well, that would have been massive. Not that I necessarily want them to do badly because I really, really rate Graham Potter. But I've actually um, gone for Chelsea on this one, as I sort of alluded to earlier. I know... Pre-season results are largely meaningless, and I do tend to agree with that, but I do think you can get sort of red flags in pre-season. I just think the way that Thomas Tuchel has been really agitated with what he's seen, and I think the the delayed takeover hasn't helped them at all, put them on the back foot. They've still not replaced all of the players that they lost on freeze. They've replaced some, but not all, and they could still lose a couple more, um, which wouldn't be great. And I just think if you look at their squad, they've still got players like Ross Barkley knocking around, Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech, Werner... They, none of them have shown anywhere near the consistency needed, I think, especially with you would, Arsenal improving and you'd hope, well, I would hope Manchester United will be there or thereabouts as well. Pulisic as well, he's had his injury problems a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't get a good feeling when I look through that squad list. I just I see a lot of players that are drifting or stagnating and, and not a particularly fantastic squad. Um, we sort of touched on that earlier. Raheem Sterling does sort of solve the goal problem that they've, they, they've got, but does he really solve it properly? I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, looking from the, from the outside looking, um, I don't think it's a particularly happy period for Chelsea. Um, if they go on to, to address those issues, and that's great for them. But as things stands, I don't think they're going to make the top four. Uh, Dan, you're not going to like this one. Um, oh, I already know what you're going to say now, so I'm not going to like it. <laughs> so I have gone fast in Villa. Uh, and that, I'm not saying they're going to have a really bad season. But my expectation of them now with the squad and the money that's been spent is to be Europa League challengers along with a team like Newcastle, I mentioned earlier. And I think they will fall short of that. I think they will end up in mid-table somewhere. Um, I'm not quite sure about the identity that Gerard's trying to implement at Villa so far, especially in the attacking phase of the game. I think defensively, he's shored you up a lot. Uh, but it's the attacking side of the game I worry about. I think initially the plan was trying to play this 4-3-3 and have two number 10s with Coutinho and Buendia kind of drifting in field. There, now he seems to be plumping for one number 10 and then Leon Bailey. And then if Bailey gets injured, there's no actual kind of good natural wing in the squad to replace him. And Bailey has been injured quite a lot in the last year. Uh, and then you'll be back with the two number 10s of Coutinho and Buendia. And then that relies on a lot on the fullbacks to get forward and provide uh, creative threat and product. But Someone like Lucas Digne, he he didn't really impress me last season. He, I think the stats where he created three big chances in the Premier League last season, I think he has suffered a bit of a dip since that kind of season he had before or the two seasons before that, where he was one of the Premier League's leading creators from fullback. Uh, but he did suffer an ankle injury. I do wonder if that's left kind of an impact on him. And then Matty Cash on the other side, I know these two combined for a goal on the last day, but Cash isn't the most productive of fullbacks either. So yeah, I, I do worry. And also, Diego Carlos, I know he's come in for big money. I, I, if I'll be honest, I was never a big fan of Diego Carlos at Sevilla. The guy who used to stand out for me was more Jules Kunde. Carlos is a kind of hyper-aggressive centre-back. He does jump out of the line quite a bit. And I've seen him quite a few times mistime that and, and make some bad judgment calls. So it will be down to his partner to try and sweep around him like Kunde did. 
Uh, and do Villa have that at the back? Um, I, that, I do have some worries. You're out of order, Rush. <laughs> I would hide the rest of the show if I was you. Coming, coming on the show with that slander. Just, ah, but I, said, I, I don't think you'll have a bad season, but I just expect Villa to be up there in the Europa League kind of spots, and I don't think you'll reach that level. I mean, I could spend the whole show disagreeing with some of the stuff that, you, that you've just said there, to be fair. <laughs> Luca Dean ended the season very well for Villa. He was looking mm. really, really dangerous, and he was creating a fair few chances. I think he did get a couple of assists as well. Matty Cash was player of the year. He was much improved under Gerard, and he scored a few goals. Come on, I'll tell you about Villa. In, in short, I think Villa have solved two problem areas with their transfer business. They needed a number six, a good number six, and they've got a top yeah, quality, high-level number six yeah. now, which yeah. will free up the rest of the team and will help the defence as well. And I think Diego Carlos, I get your point when you said it, it's valid, but I think Villa needed a bit of nastiness in their team. Too nice. So I think Villa have solved two problem positions there. What have we got next then? Relegation, the three teams to go down. I'm not talking to you at the moment, Rasha. Josh, which three teams are going down? We've, I think we've actually all gone for the same teams. I think we've all gone for Everton, Bournemouth and Fulham. Um, ah. I think Everton, uh, look, they've lost Richarlison and obviously he was a massive part. Of the, he was a massive reason why they stayed up last season. Calvert-Lewin had his injury problems. So you'd expect them to struggle again. Um Bournemouth, their squad just doesn't look cut out for the Premier League to me. Been a, quite a quiet transfer window. I think they're about to sign Marcus Tavernier from Middlesbrough for about twelve million. Um, so yeah, not. I don't think they're looking great. And Fulham, Marco Silva actually said this weekend he was asked if Fulham are ready for the Premier League, and he said no. So <laughs> it's not looking great for them. And I just think the decision to spend ten million pounds of your transfer budget on Andreas Pereira is just. It, I was mind blown to be honest that Man United got that fee for him. He's only good for wonder goals in pre-season and he, he'll definitely get loads of bookings for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if he actually went back to back to Brazil in the new year. So not a great signing. Obviously, they need Mitro, Mitrovic to actually finally deliver in the Premier League. Obviously, he had the absolutely outrageous season in the championship last year. Um, but previously, he's never managed to really replicate that sort of form in the Premier League. And if he can't do that, then they're going to really struggle. So yeah, Everton, Bournemouth and Fulham were mine and they were also both of your guys as well. Yeah, Carvalho is a huge loss for Fulham as well. Mm. Obviously, a, a big source of output for, for them last year. Has he been replaced, Raj? Probably not. Yeah, I think Andres Pereira. Andres Pereira but, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not a like for like, is it? No, I, I'm not actually sure what Pereira does as a number 10, to be honest. He's not a creator, he's not a goal scorer. Um, so, yeah, it seems a bit of a nothing buy. And that back four as well, I think it's pretty similar to what they had last time. They've got Kenny, uh, they've got Tete, I'll rate him as a right back. He, he's probably Premier League level quality. They've got Tosin Adarabayo and Tim Ream and Anthony Robertson. That's a similar back four which shipped a lot of goals last time round. Well, it's the worst uh, back four because Jockey Manderson's not there. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. worse. The only decent buy they've made is probably Jao Palinia at centre mid. I think he's a very good holding midfielder. Defensively, he's very assured. So maybe that can try and cover some of the goals they're going to leap. But yeah, it's not looking good. And Mitrovic as well, last time around got, is it five Premier League goals? I think I've got here. Yeah, five Premier League goals. So where are they getting the goals from as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that we've actually all picked, picked, picked the same team. I think Everton, Josh. It's just not, it's not, it's not there. He, he just isn't there. I know Lampard, Lampard did well to keep them up in the end, I would say. But, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to need Deli Ali to suddenly come alive. I'm not sure he's got that in him at this point. I look at their centre-backs and I think they're not particularly good enough. Any, any Seamus no... Coleman's still playing as well. 
Tark, yeah, yeah. Tarkovsky's tar- maybe Nathan Patterson will come in and pl- play more football this year. You know, Tarkovsky's a good signing on a free. You can't argue with that. But yeah. partner in it, I'm not. I'm not convinced of, of Tarkovsky anywhere else but Burnley because obviously I've never seen him play mm. anywhere else but Burnley. Really, I, I just, I'm just not sure. I'm just not. Uh, and sure. it looks like Lampard's gone for a three-four-three system in pre-season. So it's been a Tarkovsky, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, or sometimes Yerry Mina back three. That's got disaster written all over it for me. Uh, screams own like how... goals. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we saw how badly Michael Keane adapted from Burnley going to Everton, trying to push that line high, higher up. Yeah, Burnley, that's, that's a worry. Gotta, yeah, you, Burnley, you've got to be a good bo- penalty box defender, and that's most of most of your job done. But it's different. And Lampard's record actually, when he came to Everton, was 18 points from 18 games. So that's one point a game. That's good. That's treacherous stuff, isn't it? And then Richarlison mm. is is gone, as we said earlier. Where the goals come from uh, with Richarlison gone. Um, so yeah, very very concerning. I even look, you know, Anthony Gordon did well last season. I feel he's a little bit overhyped. That the front three of McNeil, Anthony Gordon, and Calvert Lewin struggling to stay fit—that doesn't scream loads of goals mm. and output for me. Yeah, Everton midfield's a bit stale still as well. Central midfield, mm, they're going to need Deli Ali to go back to his Potigino form, really, if they're going to have yeah, any, that's any probably chance. Probably not going to happen again. No, it's just, the simple fact of it is. Are Everton a worse team than they were last season? Well, yeah, because they've lost Richarlison. Yeah, yeah. I just and Bournemouth, no chance. Get out of town. You, you go straight back where you came from. This, the two no, signings have been there. Brian Fredericks and Joe Rothwell, haven't they? It's not going to move the needle much, is it? Fredericks with a third choice right back at West Ham. Free transfers yeah. as well, I think, as well, aren't they? Yeah. Why, have they why have they not bought anyone, Bournemouth? They try, they're going to sign that Marcus Tavernier, as I said, from Middlesbrough. But even still, like, it's not. I doubt he's going to make or break their Premier League status. So. It's going to depend on if Dominic Solanke can bang in the same amount of goals he did in the Championship. And who knows? I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Last time we saw him in the Premier League, he didn't look up to it. And Dominic Tavernier's hardly taken the Championship by storm. You know, oh, yeah, them three. I can't see past them, them three at the moment. But I do think Wolves and Leicester will, will struggle around there as well. Let's finish then with our 1-20 to 20 roundup. We've obviously predicted the whole Premier League table, each one of us. And Josh, we'll start with you. As we said, I've got Man City first, Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal in fourth. Uh, Chelsea fifth, Manchester United upsetting me for me in sixth. West Ham seventh, then Newcastle, Leicester and Villa in tenth. Sorry, Dan. Uh, Southampton in 11, Palace 12. Brentford, Wolves, Brighton, Forest, Leeds just above the bottom three, and then Everton, Bournemouth, and Fulham, as we just said, making up the relegation places. Interesting. The one that stood out for me there is what Southampton done to justify an eleven. I just, I just, re- well, I'm a big fan of Ralph. Ralph yeah, he's a, good, he's a good manager. And I, I'm just quite excited by the direction they've taken in this transfer window. I think they've signed a lot of promising young players, and obviously, you don't know how that's going to go. Um, but it didn't do too badly for Palace last season. I was really impressed with the sort of turnaround they had. So I'm I'm going on sort of hope and good feeling with Southampton there. But it could obviously it could also be equally a really bad season for them as it was a struggle last season. But yeah, big fan of some of the signings they've made and looking forward to seeing them in the Premier League. One percent for Southampton probably is the goals as well. They lost Armando Broja. They brought in mm. Seku Mara, I think, from Liga, and he got six goals, but he only made about eight appearances, I think. So it's relatively improving. So that's probably what what, I, what I'm concerned about. Is Adam Armstrong going to step up finally? Is Che Adams going to get more goals? Maybe that that that's an area which could hurt. Them. I like the goalkeeper signing. He's a good keeper. Oh yeah, I've completely forgot Bezzini. how you pronounce his name. Bezzini. 
Ben Banzu, I was going to say. Gavin Bazzini, I think his name is. He's a good, he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah. I've, I've been impressed every time I've seen him play for Ireland. But... I had no idea that he was at Manchester City. Like, didn't have yeah. another one of their players that you just don't know Man City have, and they just sell him for like fifteen million. Yeah, I do they think goalkeeper's been a problem for Southampton, but I think that will solve it. They've signed a midfielder from Manchester City as well, Romeo Lavia. I don't, yeah, I'm highly rated. Highly yeah, rated. Highly rated. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how he does. Well, maybe, maybe it's fair with those things. It goes one or two ways, doesn't it? They end up doing a lot better than you think they were, or they do a lot worse and end up getting relegated. Right, then it's my turn, isn't it, for my 1-20. to So I've obviously got Man City to win the league, Liverpool second, Spurs third, Chelsea fourth, which I don't agree with even myself, my own predictions, Arsenal fifth, Manchester United sixth, West Ham seventh. I would say, oh, that's pretty standard. And of course, Aston Villa Football Club in eighth, Newcastle ninth and Palace tenth, finishing off my top half. Brighton milling around in 11th, doing what they do. I've got Forest 12th, Brentford 13th, Leeds 14th, Wolves 15th, Leicester 16th, Southampton 17th, Everton 18th, Fulham 19th and Bournemouth to finish rock bottom. Anything there? Any standouts from either of you there with what I've come up with? I guess that um, last season it was Arsenal fans coming in for you and I think it might be Leicester fans this time. Where were they? I think it's absolutely fair, but where where did you have them? 16th? 16th? Come for me, Leicester. Come, Come for me. That's fine. <laughs> I've right, the that... teams I put in the bottom, like bottom half, Wolves, Leicester, even Leeds to an extent. I think um, I've no guarantee the same managers there in the mm-hmm. three months before the World Cup. Like the World Cup, I easily think it, all those three managers could comfortably change when you take into account last season as as well. Leicester at the moment, I wrote, there's just there's nothing there. There's, it's, there's it's worries. Gonna a, it's, I just think it's going to all amalgamate and come together and be a poor season. It's going to be a massive few weeks, them, isn't it? It's going to be a real test if they can, because ideally Rogers is going to want to keep hold of the likes. Rogers of will Rogers will walk. I'm I'm pretty confident Rogers will walk at this point. He won't want to yeah, be associated well, with relegation battle or anything like that. And I think Leicester could go that way at the moment. It'd be a massive fall from grace, wouldn't it, for him? Because at the start of the year he was touted as a potential Manchester United manager, and now it's looking absolutely mm-hmm. horrendous for him. Yeah, where, the, the, where did the, you have Leicester? Sorry, Josh, I forgot. Uh, in ninth, one place above Villa. Certainly, I thought. Why wouldn't you? Do that? I just think that it's obviously been a really bad summer for them, but they do have a like a pretty decent eleven. So I'm going based on the likes of James Justin having a full preseason that he didn't have last season. If they keep Fafana, he has a full preseason that he didn't have last season. Um, and I think yeah. Patson Daka is another one I think might settle in a bit better this season. Like, he did look promising in flashes. I think Europa League and Europa Conference League, he's, he's netted quite a few goals. So I think he's one guy who might be able to kick on uh, this coming season now. Go on then, Raj. Let's do your top twinner. Uh, we've got the top four Man City, Liverpool in second, Spurs third, Chelsea fourth, Arsenal fifth, just narrowly missing out, uh, Man United in sixth, uh, Newcastle I've got in seventh, uh, West Ham eighth. Uh, Leicester, I've gone in ninth, same as um, Josh. Palace, tenth. Brighton, eleventh. Your boys, Villa, in twelfth. Uh, Wolves, thirteenth. Brentford, fourteenth. Leeds, fifteenth. Forest, sixteenth. Uh, Southampton, seventeenth. And then Everton, Fulham, Bournemouth in the bottom three. Newcastle ahead of West Ham. If West Ham, I don't, do you think West Ham have had a good window? I'd say they've probably addressed yeah. some, some things. Probably now they into the centre back, but yeah, they got they really were... lucky, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, and Aguerd's out until the World Cup potentially. So that 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 was that he looked like a quality signing, really. I think he was a big upgrade on Craig Dawson, who was mm. starting most games for them. And then, but they have brought in obviously um, Skamaka up front. Skamaka, yeah. It'll be tough to know whether he's going to settle in or not. 
obviously last time round, Moy struggled to use Sebastian Haller and get the best out of him as a big money striker. Can he change it this time with Skamaka? Skamaka, what I will say, he's a bit more uh, kind of technical with his feet than Haller, who's more of a poacher, uh, and he's a bit quicker as well than what Haller was, and that kind of suits a bit more um, uh, West Ham's counter-attacking ways. And I thought they've also brought in Flynn Downs from Swansea. I was speaking to a few people about him. Yeah. Uh, he's a pretty tidy uh, footballer, apparently, in possession of the ball. Uh, so I think Moyes is trying to... Oh, Aguerd, as well, is a good ball player out from the back. Moyes is trying to get more uh, get more possession-based players in, trying to get hold of the ball a bit more, rather than just being a purely counter-attacking side. Uh, they were looking at Philip Kostic as well, but I think he's turned them down. They needed that kind of, I think, a creator uh, to, to get to get more deliveries into the box. Um, because I think Ben Rama's been a bit inconsistent. For now, I like him. He's a good player, but his, his figures aren't always that good in terms of creating chances. Um, and obviously, Jared Bowen's more of a kind of a, a high-volume shooter rather than a creator. So they do need that kind of extra body, I think, up front. But we'll see if they can get yeah. that. I like Lanzini as well. I do. Rest mm. time, I think I think he's a very good player. But yeah, pretty fair what you've come up with there. And I think that might be the end of the show. Josh, thank you as ever for being with me. Raj, your last ever show. How does it feel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good to go out on a high, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you both. I really, really, actually, I enjoy shows like that, so I, I did enjoy the show despite some well, there's some wild stuff coming out of there from there. I don't know, I don't know what happened to Josh. Been out in the heat a little bit too much at the, at the start. So I'm going to hold I'm going to for two weeks. So, holiday uh, mode, I'll probably come back normal. Yeah. yeah okay then. fantastic yeah really enjoyed it if you're enjoying the podcast if you're enjoying edge of the box please please subscribe with your post notifications on you'll know then when our next video is coming out as well let's get those subscriber numbers up we'll be back where we're back for after the first week of the premier league season we're back josh yeah we august the 11th will be the release of the next episode we're going to okay. swerve the opening game weeks obviously no one really knows what's going to happen but we'll be back then to reflect on the chaos of the first weekend and then previewing game week two yeah, after that game week one, you're already like, your fantasy football is always in disarray after week one. And I look back at some of the things I've said in this podcast and think, oh my God, what was I thinking? But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to the guys for joining me. And as ever, stay safe.